Jaehaerys I Targaryen ascended the Iron Throne in 48 AC at the age of 14 and would rule the Seven Kingdoms for the next 55 years until his death of natural causes in 103 AC. In the later years of his reign and during the reign of his successor, he was called the Old King for obvious reasons. But Jaehaerys was a young and vigorous man for far longer than he was an aged and feeble one, and more thoughtful scholars speak of him reverently as the conciliator. Archmacer Umbert, writing a century later, famously declared that Aegon the Dragon and his sisters conquered the Seven Kingdoms, six of them at least, but it was Jaehaerys the Conciliator who truly made them one. His was no easy task, for his immediate predecessors had undone much of what the Conqueror had built. Aenys, through weakness and indecision, Magor with his bloodlust and cruelty. The realm that Jaehaerys inherited was impoverished, war-torn, the realm that Jaehaerys inherited was impoverished, war-torn, lawless, and riven with division and mistrust, whilst the new king himself was a green boy with no experience of rule. Bom, bom, bom. And thus the golden age of Westeros is ushered in. Until we get Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> we got time before that. We got years and years and years. Okay, so uh, Jaehaerys or Jaehaerys? Jaehaerys. Yeah, because it looks, it looks like Daenerys. And we don't call her Daenerys, right? No, that's in the uh, the Dane part of her word. So I'm saying in the wrong spot. But it has the similar A.E. Targaryen thing. Sure. Valyrian yeah, thing. Sorry, if it's, sorry, Dave. Valyrian thing. Sorry, George. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think about the chapter? This is chapter five. Prince into king. The ascension of Jaehaerys. One. This is a pretty chilled chapter. I mean, I... <laughs> This chapter... Hannah was really excited that it was only 17 pages long after the last one. Because the last chapter was like 9,000 pages long, Mm -hmm. and this one felt very manageable, but now I feel like I have nothing to talk about. (laughs) This chapter just really laid the foundation of Jaehaerys' rule and kind of the kind of king he was going to be, the kind of guy he wants Mm -hmm. to be. He's really young at the beginning of this chapter, but he's already setting the tone Mm -hmm. and the vibe, and he's fixing up and cleaning up all the mistakes that his predecessors had made and really solidifying the Targaryen dynasty. And so it's exciting to be at the beginning of, we're going to be spending a lot of chapters with him. And previously we just kind of had one or two, one chapter really per guy. And so now we get to actually dig a little bit more into his rule, which is exciting. Do you think that that means that George prefers this character over the others or do you think that it's just because he's wanting to say more through the particular dance moves of a brother-sister duo for example i don't know i think what we know about jaharis's reputation having not read the chapter yet or the next preceding chapters yet it seems to me like he is kind of a favored golden king i mean obviously they are about to have a million years of peace and about to be the golden age of Westeros. Until his death of natural causes in 103 yeah. AC. <laughs> no drama surrounding his death. I mean, so I think that we are meant to potentially learn lessons on this is how the, a quote-unquote good guy is going to do it. I'm a little bit suspicious because I feel like George is also telling us in a more subtle way than he has so far in these chapters that... The people that are setting the tone and kind of like writing the records of the time are all really grateful that he's been so open-handed with his forgiveness that, for example, the um, 
the uh, maester who comes back from Pintos is like, he has this really doting long paragraph that is very specifically geared toward him being presented as the opposite of Magor. Mm-hmm. And it seems mm-hmm. like you know, the writing's on the wall a little bit with what he's saying there because he's now back safely in Westeros and it just so happens that Jaehaerys has been the perfect replacement, no right. matter his age, no matter his experience. It's hard, though, to see how it could have been worse, almost. And so while he does have quite the mess to clean up, and he, there's a couple lines here about how a lot of these early decisions that he made really set the tone for him for the rest of his reign. And so he could have really messed things up for him at the beginning or really made some wrong turns. But he had a lot of room to, a lot of wiggle room and a lot of room to grow because almost anything was better than the situation that they were in before. And so it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's actually kind of nice. So if if that's the case, then it's, to me, what this chapter feels like, and part of the reason I think because it is shorter than what we're now getting used to, is that he's trying to describe a part of Jaehaerys' life. It's called Prince and the King. And so it's like a, it's like a, a a stretched out and artistically pretty explanation of how a young prince becomes a king. The right choices with the right people, the right guys that are over him, and people in his family that are older than him, like Reyna, for example, there was that difficult decision where he decided to be less hard on uh, all of the people that mm-hmm. caused deaths for her uh, brother, for her lover, for her forced husband that she probably wanted to die anyway. But still, it's like all these points, which is kind of funny because a lot of these points that they were using to judge people by was like just technicalities. They're like, well, you went up against a Targaryen. They're like, right. well, you didn't. You were to go against him too. And he's like, well, you still technically broke the thing that you were supposed to do so we can we can judge you accordingly. And she wanted him to be more extreme and a lot of other people wanted him to be more extreme, but he pulled back from it. I feel like those... Those situations are what is is the artistically pretty description of how a young princeling grows into being a king. But it's almost a little, it's not the most basic version of how, like, how does Joffrey become a king mm-hmm. when he's, when he was the prince then and now he's, now he's been made the king. And it's not the same situation, but it's a similar style of situation where he's young and he's coming into it because the person before him is dead. Mm-hmm. How did, how would he have done it right? The situation wouldn't have been the same as J. Harris, but I guess if I could apply it now that I've read this, and if you're a fan of Asawaf, that is, it's like 25 years in the future, you always have fire and blood. You don't have to wait for that explanation to sort of apply it to see how Joffrey could have changed things for himself, which is really cool. But it's cool for us right now, the process of Asawaf, to be able to have a little bit more insight on how the author himself would see how this particular person could rise to become as successful as J. Harris. And then to have such a have such a long rule that people believe was so good and lasting and maybe did set good foundations, but I feel like I know I know we haven't read with them with Jaharis and Alisana, we haven't read the rest of their story yet, and we, and we are. But at this point, it seems like they're just really, really set up to be liked, and I'm almost a little bit suspicious of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hey, I think that that's fair. I think though that. Um kind of what I'm what I'm gleaning from what you're saying is that you're kind of talking about nurture versus nature almost too when it comes to you're talking about Joffrey mm-hmm. and who's next kind of nurture versus nature so like is Jaehaerys just a nice good guy 
to begin with? Or was he just seeming really, really nice and good compared to and decisive and involved compared to the folks that came before him? Yeah. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, but that also would, would bring me back to our last episode with Anderson Magor because they could have been set up to be the same sort of open-handed and really nice boy at that age, too. But Magor was described so differently. He from, was from an early violent age. from the beginning. And they talk about, I wanted to read this line, They when they're describing Jaharis, it says, even the most fervent of Magor's supporters were won over once they met Jaharis, for he was all a prince should be, fair-spoken, open-handed, Willing and as not chivalrous, to cut my head off. <laughs> as chivalrous as he was courageous. And so mm. you think about, like, Annie's the things that, people liked about him is that he was just like nice and cute and liked to sing but he was really indecisive and then Magor was just way too mean Mm -hmm. and intense and cruel but he got stuff done you know it seems to me like Jaharis has this deep desire to be involved to participate to be included and also has this really convenient goodness to try to be fair in a way that is wise beyond his years. I mean, he's like sure. 12, 13, telling all these people who, pardoning all these people when in in a, um, what's the red dot, the Drop red dog, dog of the hills? Yeah. When he yeah. brings him into the King's Guard. I mean, this, Jaharis is a young kid and he's beautiful. making these bold moves that seem really wise beyond his years. And so I'm back on Team Jaharis because <laughs> I just remember that there's two paragraphs from this that's probably two of my favorite paragraphs from A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, really? Yeah. Of all Song of Ice that's, and Fire? I mean, like, I'm like, damn. That's probably not the best way to describe it. <laughs> yes. Yep. <clears throat> I think that yeah. you're initial thought to be skeptical is fine though because we haven't yet we're not in the weeds yet on what he's done we're just getting set up and everyone's really excited i don't want to be forced into thinking that they're, that they're so amazing right like good queen alison right well because we ah, uh, it's like uh what is it snow white when she breathes the birds chirp with her uh, i don't know and especially when we're looking back on history right after that that was so intense mm-hmm. am i supposed to believe that it, it seems like it's more of a of an opposite reaction of the mountains of murder and cruelty that came before it. And it seems to be something that George is really aware of, but it also doesn't seem to be something that most people are talking about, which makes me feel weird. It seems like the point of this is to see how, if this, if this, if Jaharis came into this situation, he is really, I think his, his number one trait is just intelligence of how not to be killed and how to retain, retain power himself. He, he is, he's hearing everything and Raina writes him off. She writes him off. At first, she's really into it. She's part of the reason that he was able to succeed instead of her kids, right? Or her, or her herself. But she even was critical enough to not believe in him whenever he decided to disagree with her point of view on how those people should be punished. And so she saw that as a sort of, maybe she was triggered a little bit. It reminded her of something that Annie's would do. Or something that at least Visenya would counsel against. And at that point, she probably was like wishing for someone like Visenya mm-hmm. to still be around because sure. Magor's situation probably wouldn't have crumbled like it did. And so he's just, he's, he's, he's intelligently going to the situation and he's listening to Ro- Rogar, who is the man of the hour during all of this, who's giving him really good advice. And, uh, you know, he's... Like you said, he's doing the right stuff to make it seem like the realm is healing. But to me, just the realm not being, not fighting each other 
is what's healing the realm. It's not really the, the decisions that he's making other than letting people have a second chance sort of or a third chance, which yeah, is a big deal. It is a big it deal. A big I disagree deal. because I think that he could – I think it is his decisions that he's making because I think he could have easily fire and blooded it and just try to kill everyone and continue on with stamping out the rebellion with a heavy hand instead of trying a new approach. I think you could have – and I think that we see how long this peace and golden age lasts mm-hmm. that and how tumultuous the last guys were. Mm-hmm. It's not that easy. And like Egan made it seem easy. Like he just kind of swooped in and became the guy. And then Jaharis is making it seem easy because he kind of swooped in and now he gets to play cleanup and actually put into motion and everything Egan hoped to accomplish, you know? But I think that he did inherit a pretty big mess and you think about how wounded the people were and just tired and so so yeah so he inherited at the best point of the mess where everyone was he did, done but he, fighting but he could have doubled down on it you know like he, he could have yeah he could have put all of the poor fellows and the all those other peeps to the death you know and just kind of eradicated them instead of opening up an opportunity and offering up a hand to pardon them for lack of a better word so then they started like that part kind of near the end of the chapter when they started to come out of the woodwork hoping yeah. to get the the, the same so cool. thing and the same benefit as they felt like they could come forward and come out of the woodwork and he was like you have a place here under me so let's figure it out i think that that's such a wise yeah for sure decision and a tough decision to make like you were saying people didn't he hadn't been tested or tried yet. This is kind of some of the first stuff he's doing. And so there's some skepticism. It's like, are you sure that this is kind of the move? Were you not paying attention to the last couple of years? Was I not paying attention to the chapter? <laughs> I'm thinking about that speech he had that changed Rogar, uh, Rogar's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wouldn't anyone have done it, though, in that in that position? Any of the other Targaryen daughters, Aenys for example? wouldn't have, though, you know? I, mean, I feel like Aenys definitely would have. He probably would have part- He probably would have never put him in the black cells. <laughs> He probably would have made them go straight to the throne room and then dealt his judgment there would have probably been similar. And that would have been way too soft for sure. It had They had to make it sort of perfectly seem like there was going to be a possibility that something bad would happen. So they would at least feel really grateful. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if that was on purpose. Probably not. Just like a product of it, which seems to be the whole thing. Do you think that I'm being unfair by being, I guess, unwilling to sort of let the accolades pour on this on this character or these characters um because i i feel like in other scenarios we probably do just let them take credit for what's Mm -hmm. happening in the world Mm -hmm. but i just feel like since this is so overly that's really revealing of my my point of view i'm like (laughs) wait a second (laughs) but if it was really bad too i would also be skeptical of someone getting Mm -hmm. i think i would Magor definitely deserved it. I was going to say, last chapter. (laughs) Let's keep reading the book then. There's going to be more situations. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it's okay to be skeptical. We get barely anything in this chapter about Jaehaerys' actual reign. We get the very beginning and we get his coronation and just a couple pieces to kind of, it it, it almost reminds me of like George Washington and the apple tree kind of thing, Mm. right? Or is it a cherry tree? Tell us the story. There's a tree. Cherry, it's cherry <laughs> it's a cherry tree. tree. It, yeah, it's like a <laughs> kind of an alliteration. Just these these cherry lore, tree. these lore stories of the the mm-hmm. origin story of somebody who's about to do a lot of really well, great. Mean, things. Are you talking about deep lore? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that we're at the very beginning. So I think it's okay to be skeptical because 
he isn't proven to us yet either. All we know, at least between you and I and like our Song of Ice and Fire knowledge, having quickly read Fire and Blood before or just like common conversation, we know about Jaehaerys and what a good king he was and he's so nice and cool and great. And so we don't have that um, really intimate knowledge with his day-to-day that we're about to get. And so we're kind of coming into this, like I've only ever heard good hood heard good I've only stuff had the hood, good stuff <laughs> so let's see what he's really about i think that skepticism is fine yeah but I, he he did kind of he was he, he was responsible for the uh for that for that decision he made that speech and, and it turned it turned rogar from feeling like he had to at least in that moment be condescending about his ideas Mm -hmm. but also i think it probably created a little bit of relief if this guy's gonna be so eloquent then he probably can take the blame if stuff goes wrong Mm -hmm. or or maybe he can do things well Hmm. Hmm. he seems to be setting himself up to at least have people around him to give him some realness so he's he's a good vessel for the sort of uh middle of the road that's that's necessary right now to get the best even healing mm-hmm. across the realm mm-hmm. between lowborn and high highborn folks as well and it comes slower to the the pious masses or the lowborn masses because i feel like maybe they really waited i mean it geographically happened after the coordination but i i would think that maybe after securing the coordination, that would probably be a priority then. Totally. totally. It's so funny that George literally had them coming out of the woodwork uh-huh. as yeah. he was going back from it. And they were scared of it being, it's just a nice sense of space as far as painting the picture. To go from King's Landing to Old Town is crossing the continent, at, at one of its thinner parts, but still crossing. The, eh, no, it, it takes a long way. And they were afraid of getting attacked by Septim Moon's guys, or mm-hmm. at least the, the stragglers. And then on the way back, everyone's like, oh. Right. We saw what nice things you did. Let imagine us, if, go on. Let us be part of that, too. It seems like we can get the best deal now if we show up. Literally, and- we're riding, and everyone's got the good vibe. Everyone's outside. Yeah. It's like you do feel a little bit better. I talked about the, I was talking about, to you about this yesterday, but you feel better when you're walking around. So they, they caught him at the right time when they're on horseback. Can you imagine if that was how, can you imagine if that's how Jamie and Brianne's time in the Riverlands was. Right. <laughs> like they're going down the river and everyone's yeah. just on the riverbanks. Wait, right. That's a, that's like a, a scene in something where everyone's really happy to see someone in like a dream sequence. I forget. It's like the end of the Forbidden Journey Hogwarts ride when everyone's cheering for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So that's another reason why I'm skeptical. The, both of those things I just described were daydreams. The end of that ride is crazy. It's like you were never at Hogwarts and you didn't do anything to save the magical bench. You feel sick. Like, yeah, I, you, you, feel, you sick. feel really exactly. dizzy and sick. Yeah. And, you and you're so happy that the ride's over. Exactly. <laughs> and he's, but they're also trying to get you the hell out of there. You can hear like the sort of like speed in the voice, like, yeah, come back at any time. Right. And so the Jamie and Brand situation, you, you're like, oh, well, that would be so fun because it's so unlikely. It's magic that it would work out like that. So it almost seems like magic that it would work out like this. But it's supposed to be magic because we're reading the history of right. it. So that's the thing right. that... that's what I was saying at the beginning of the convo. It's like, did they really just f- 
they just really juice this up because he was the one after the worst guy. Totally. And so maybe he's the, maybe Jaharis is the most juiced up one that there is. Maybe. I think that that could, could very easily be the case. But when you're talking about skepticism and we're talking about this Old Town sequence, I wanted to ask you about Septon Moon because there was speculation that maybe he had something to do with his uh, offing because that was his last. That the High Septon did? Have that Jaharis oh. had something to do with Septon Moon because that was his last obstacle. It was kind of the only reason why he hadn't yet been coronated. I mean, if he did, then I mean, I again, I'm gonna take back what I said about him again. If he if he's the one that hired a local cat's ball, or even if he's the the one that hired, you're looking at me weird. So I feel like maybe you think I'm a murderous soul for thinking that it's no, good that no, Septon no, no, Moon no. died. Okay, no, no. good. Uh, or if he hired the faceless uh, uh, assassins from Bravos. Then um, I think that, yeah, great choice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this was your last big obstacle, and they weren't serving anyone. And as you could see from just using your common sense, but also how they all ran away, and they were raping and robbing from everyone that they possibly could as, right. they, as they tore away from the, uh, the site of all of their protection and good warmth. It's like when we're here, we're we, we're, we're part of the thing. We're we're literally our power is being derived from saying that we believe in this really nice thing. Oh, but wait, uh, the the thing that I guess it's called a linchpin, like gets pulled out, or someone jangles it the wrong way, and they're like, "Hold on, let's get out of here." But they didn't just simply get out of here. They were like, you know, it's like there's a disaster happening. Instead of getting out of there, you're sort of running around taking advantage of any weird situation that you wouldn't do unless no one was watching or your structure completely fell away. Super revealing. So the kind of people that would support someone as silly as Septon Moon, is they're more likely to be like that? I think that it was just so many holdovers from people who were angry and there was no better option. They mm. felt like there was maybe no better option. Mm. But then Jaharis gave them a different option by... Potentially, Potentially or not at all. Somebody helped him give the opportunity by getting rid of this guy that was... <laughs> the description of Septon Moon in this chapter is so awesome. Here we go. And I loved every second of it. His, his going around preaching, I am a sinner. Oh, and yeah. he was. And I'm like, probably going to sin and yes, again. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> that was so the energy. I loved it so much. Yeah. But they just needed somebody to pay attention to, and Mager was the worst ever. And he's just another vulture king, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so I can understand mm -hmm. why you know Sexually. loyalties come and go. But that's why Jaharis, I think, tried to make his offer one that nobody could refuse. There's no better yeah, option. That's what's up right there. Yeah. That you is, don't have another choice. I'm putting your guys under me it's now. Like, it's like a nice, really good shrug. Like, well. Yeah. Hmm? This is the most overwhelmingly what, best option. What are you going to do? What, what What do we want to do now? I gave you this and it would be ridiculous. To so it's like how just how mad are you? It's like those guys who drink Hemlock. They were either just really mad or really worried that another Targaryen with dragons were on their way. And they were going to die cruelly anyway. But as we've oddly discussed recently, I think Hemlock would still probably be more painful than being offed by a dragon. Dragonfire seems pretty immediate. Fast. Yeah. If you get it powerfully enough. But I'd you like look run at run and jump at the mouth as it bl blasts. Quentin was... Yeah, but he just got caught on fire. Yeah. Right? So he's still crackling. And, and alive still, according right. to few. So... <laughs>
nothing to say. I'm gonna read the description. I was gonna say. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I or you have it. Let's read it. Read it. Let's read it at the same time, right? Barefoot bearded. (laughs) No, I saved a different part. So you go. You go. Barefoot bearded and possessed of immense fervor, the poorest fellow could speak for hours and often did. And what he spoke about was sin. I am a sinner were the words which he, which Septon Moon began in every sermon. And so he was a creature of immense appetites, a glutton and drunkard renowned for his lectury. Wait. Lecherous. And a drunkard renowned for his lectury. Lechery. Lechery. What is a, an Italian I don't know anything dish about sad stuff. that is just pasta, Stop. pepper, and cheese? <laughs> I'm starting over. <laughs> you can try to pronounce it for us. Lechery. Caccio. Lechery. 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 I am a sinner were the words which with septed mood began every sermon, and so he was. A creature of immense appetites, a glutton and drunkard, renowned for his lechery. Moon lay each night like so with far. a different woman, uh, impregnating so many of them mm, that his accolades began to say that his seed could make a barren woman fertile. That would have been helpful. What do you think about that? True? Maybe. Maybe. All evidence points as such. Yeah. Such was the ignorance and folly of his followers that this tale became widely believed. Husbands began to offer him their wives and mothers. Oh, and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Husbands began to offer... You need a comma there, George. Husbands began to offer him their wives and mothers their daughters. Septon Moon never refused such offers. And after time, some of the hedge knights and men-at-arms amongst his rabble began to paint images of the cock of the moon on their shields. (laughs) And a brisk trade grew up in clubs, pendants, and staves, carved to resemble Moon's member. We need to get on DeviantArt. We need need merch for Ice and Firecon. (laughs) A touch with the head of these talesmen was believed to bestow prosperity and good fortune. Hmm. So this guy, who has a powerful reputation, who's just a common guy who yeah. happens to be really fertile, bring me your wives and right. your mothers and right. your daughters and your friends. Right. I He's a- trying to be hashtag super relatable. He has a pretty decent following, even if they are, you know, whatever their loyalty is, what it is. Sure. And uh, yeah, you know, followers are followers. Why are we being so holy exactly, and sanctified exactly. about it? Exactly. Yeah. And he's just talking crap about House Targaryen and and Lickspittle, who's the real septic. God, <laughs> so it's like his lion Ted, basically. <laughs> it's too easy. Yeah, yeah. This licks. It's so funny. No one had been just called. Everyone knew what a Lickspittle was, but we're still so early in Westerosi history that no one had been called Lickspittle proper noun. You are Lickspittle. There's all these like. There's like different guys, like the red dog or <laughs> the blue dog. The there can't you can't have two green dogs, you can't have two blue dogs, you can't have two lickspittles. This is the one, mm-hmm. man. He came right for him. Too easy to make fun. And of. he's right outside of Old Town, right? Why do you think Rowan and uh, I forget the other guy's name uh, were protecting him? The two, basically, Septon Moon. If you guys haven't read this chapter, Septon Moon and all of his uh, followers were being protected nearby Old Town. By two good lords, when I say good, I mean by two lords that had enough power and enough infantry and probably enough, I don't know, like control over certain resources that were useful to Old Town because they were so close, to that they're they're, uh, acknowledging, what's it called when someone speaks up for you or whatever, they're like signing off on him and also providing like area protection. So a little bit more than that, but like a modern equivalent of like vouching for him. There it is. 
their vouching for him basically kept their whole conclave safe. Why? Why would they do that? Why were they vouching for him? Yeah, why would they stick their necks out like that? Because they're getting a lot for, and and no one else is vouching him. It's only two guys. What's up with that? They're hedging their bets. I mean, the Seven Kingdoms are potentially in turmoil because the king's dead and there's some conflict there and the faith militant had been rising and a lot of, you know, I think that they're just kind of hedging their bet. Like, this guy seems interesting and he has a lot to say and maybe we can gamble and he might become something big, you know? Taking, like, the idea that if you don't take a risk, then you're not going to be part of the thing whenever the thing becomes the thing. And so that they thought that they were, maybe like, making guy. an early, like, a... An early bid? <laughs> right. Maybe. They're like, this I don't is going to be the next Bitcoin. Potentially. <laughs> He's going to be the next high septed. That's my mm. guess, but I don't I'm know gonna, for sure. I'm going to read this. Uh, the other guy was called uh, Lord Oakhart, by the way. Um, this is more Septon Moon. Yet the greatest threat was in the south, where Septon Moon and his followers camped beneath the walls of Old Town. That was uh, the greatest threat to uh, Jaharis. Defended by Lord Oakhart and Lord Rowan and their knights, a massive hulk of a man, Moon had been blessed with a thunderous voice and an imposing physical presence. Did you already read this? Nope. Though his poor fellows have proclaimed him the true High Septon, this Septon, if indeed he was such, so good, was no picture of piety. He boasted proudly that the seven-pointed star was the only book he had ever read, (laughs) and many questioned even that, for he had never been known to quote from that holy tome, and no man had ever seen him read nor write. Look. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How often... In politics, do we have boisterously loud, and some people oh, yeah. may argue to be charismatic leaders who I love Jesus. Yeah, who've never read anything. Oh yeah, name a god. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but Moonly, I took a bet on this guy. Each time there's a woman pregnant, many of them. I just don't know why. He's being protected by them. That's the thing that didn't really make sense to me. Like maybe he got one of their wives pregnant or something, and they really owed him one. That's less. Or likely maybe than he the becomes the high septon. He wanted to yeah. be the high septon, so good. he overturns Lickspittle with no problem. And now these guys get special honors or favors, or they are best friends with the most powerful guy. Things aren't so bad for Jaharis if this is his biggest problem. I know, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the here's frick? the thing: like this was also Magor's dark letter him. <laughs> but this also was Magor's biggest problem. Yeah, but Magor had a the sort of an OG, um, um, like a, they came out like sweat comes out of like your arm. It, it's never in the same spot. It's like stars coming in the night sky. They came out from everywhere. Sure, it was such a surprise. Sure, but you know, these guys are the leftovers, the holdovers from before. True. But I think your point is, it's, it's, I forgot what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think that my point is, is very good, which is more in your, to what you've been saying, which is that, no, it's not what you've been saying, but Magor, Jaharis inherited the same problems that Magor had, really. Magor didn't, he tried and he did outlaw a lot of the stuff and he did, Attempt to yeah, he did, I loved them forming. Yeah, 
put his heavy hand down, but maybe he died too soon. Shout out to Jaharis for that, though, honestly. Yeah. So funny. We like freedom, and uh, that sounds cool, but we're just like, no, these— I feel like everyone that reads this doesn't like the faith militant to sort of sum all their individual groups into that. Am I right here? Do you like them? Do you like what they do? Is it— is it because it, they obviously don't believe in what they're saying that just makes us not like them? I think that it, at least for me pers- personally, I think it's the idea of really fervent, like a group of people who are all really adamantly believing in the same thing. Yeah. Kind of coming together with that religious fervor and that intensity. It makes it worse if it's religious. That makes it feel, and then, I mean, I think that intensity tends to come with that religious connotation, especially in this world here. But... Uh, to me, yeah. It's like you can't argue the orthodoxy. So it's like they think they win every argument. Mm-hmm. And so they think it's okay to stand outside of your the shack that you're locked in and throw, throw rocks at you. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, this is because God said we could, okay? Exactly, yeah. <sighs> How's that different than a court system? <laughs> I guess they use logic and... I guess. Break you know, stuff down. It's not. Not always. But it's a fringe. Not even Westeros. But but you know the court system is the one that's in power, and these religious militant are on the fringe, and so they're kind of scrambling. They don't have that comfort of being four kings deep into a dynasty yeah. to be able to rest on their laurels a little bit. Man, just a it's a like a moving feast. Mm-hmm. It's just moving. So Rob the Startling and Lorcus the Learned, um, who uh, the Learned, sorry who I'd like to add in, claimed he uh, memorized the seven-pointed star. As, yeah, right, that's, yeah. That's his justification, <laughs> yeah. his qualification to get in. Uh-huh. Um, are the ones who replaced Septimum? We didn't talk about how he died. What do you think about that? Insane. Yeah. He gets cut, and then he's still wandering, or not wandering is not the right word, he's tripping around and kind of He searches the whole camp, camp for for the While he's dying. For the woman, the, what they call her, a troll or something like that? Troller? It was a T U R T R U L L. Anyway, so it's a it's a word for a sex worker that comes from a whole different time. George found a loophole there. <laughs> he was like, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say that in fire and blood. I'm not gonna say sex worker. Right. But, but. I'm not, he's like, I'm not gonna say whore either, but I will say troll. That <laughs> <laughs> you have to look it up. What do you got there? So the troller or whatever phrase that I'd never heard before until now slits his throat he's stumbling around camp I loved this part where all of the people the some of his his followers they come in and they go into his tent and they see the wine that's half drunk from Septimoon and it's a little romp in the oh, tent yeah. and then they drink it probably in his honor to our oh, guy yeah, yeah. and then it ends up being poison no. and they all are dead before the next day Wow. It was they didn't expect that double whammy. Not at all. On his death. Yeah. Why did he got cut his he got his throat got slit. So they're probably just like, that's enough. Okay, let's break it down. Let's be detectives. <laughs> okay. So we don't have a physical description of her that's really specific. So I'm gonna leave off the attempt that they did, but chances are she was pretty good looking and she was wearing something provocative. And I, I bet she could move pretty well too, because she ran and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And no one ever found her. No one ever found her, according to the story. Hmm. So she goes in. She says, um, I want to thank our great Septon Moon for, for something. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can thank him. All right. He loves these kind of visitors. Sure. She goes in there. She had the wine. She, I was like, I want to thank him with wine. 
She goes in there with the wine. They hear laughing and just sort of. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes. Have you ever seen Amadeus? Mm-mm. You haven't? Mm-mm. Okay, well, do you know what it's about? Uh-huh. It's about Wolfgang mm-hmm. Amadeus. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great scene in it. And uh, I think folks at home are like, ah, I know what you're talking about. I know. There's a great scene in it where he's. Uh, like seducing a girl, okay. basically. Actually, they sort of redid it in the last duel, but way worse. And he's just like, <laughs> like chase. He's like just chasing yeah. her around. Yeah, they're all wearing their full regalia, mm-hmm. every layer that there is. Little pilgrim buckle shoes, you know, powdered and, wigs. Pa- oh yeah, and uh, he's like chasing her around the room and laughing and giggling at her. So like that, that's that's what they thought was happening, which I've never. Uh, here's some TMI. That's never happened to me. No one's no <laughs> yeah. one's ever chased me around right. giggling like, like giggling. that, and I've never done that either uh, at any point in my life. Maybe when I was a kid, just to be, like have fun with For people, sure. but probably not that. I guess that's what I do to my dog. Now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Strike, uh, if you're listening. So they thought it was safe. Mm-hmm. They're of like, course. this is a little, this is the cutest thing. It's cute. That's the thing. That's what I was trying to get at. It's so cute. And Septon Moon's always in these situations, you know. Yeah, okay. So, but the thing that's weird about it is that she comes in with two murder weapons and she was being so she's she's not cute. She's savage, right? And he's he's just open. So she didn't have to be savage, but she is. And he's open. So she didn't need to bring two murder weapons because there's really not that much security. Although they did have security at all, which is pretty impressive. But maybe the poison wasn't going to work or something. Oh, so on. it's like a fail safe or he wasn't going to drink it. He's okay, like, I yeah. don't drink. He's <laughs> like, dang it. <laughs> but it was half drunk. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But but maybe that's why she brought two just to fail safe it. I don't know. All I got to say is that the difference between dying by poison Man's done with this. <laughs> no, but listen, the difference between dying by poison versus the difference being him stumbling through camp bleeding yeah. out of his neck. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it is. It's such a cool picture because, you know, we have this description of him being this loud, he's always got something to say, boisterous kind of guy with he's a sinner, he's gluttonous, he yeah. loves all of these things. Yeah. And now he's stumbling and running around camp trying to find Bellowing, somebody. Probably. It Arr! is so it's such Holding a. His neck. I love that image. It paints such like a wild image. What do you of think about it? What life maybe would have been like under his following? You know, I don't know. I just I feel like it fits his vibe really well, and so it's yeah. Way, I thought so too. He like died the way he lives. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's way more exciting than yeah. he just happened to get poisoned. Yeah. So yeah, I, li- I liked him too because of that. I was like, wait a second. This seems kind of fun. He's like, I'm going to find her. (laughs) Uh And I was like, okay, you better because she just tried to kill you with two different things. Right. Yeah, I'd be mad too. So she's upset enough to be so mad to bring two murder weapons. And then she completely disappears. You say that she could have been hired by Jaharis. It's also speculated that it could be uh, an assassination attempt from Rowan and uh, what was his name? I don't know why I like Roman Roman so much more than the other guy. Okay. Um could have sent an assassin themselves because they were like, we just want to be back on the good side and we don't want to have to deal with what a f- fresh rebellion would look like if we went to the good side and you were still alive to control your guys to tell them to come against us. And some people think it could be the High Septon himself, which, or the... the Lord of Old Town, which, I don't know. They seem like they at least pretend like they're religious right. to some degree. To be part of the thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or it could have been a faceless assassin on whose order? I mean, I guess on one of their order. But the argument there that was spoke about in the chapter was that the cause of death was not natural seeming, and that's the token of their work. And so maybe that, like, the poison was the first attempt at that, and maybe he fought back in some way or was smart enough to understand what was happening, and that's the reason why the assassin had to use the dagger. Or maybe he was just being really pushy with her. It was a totally random incident. Either way, it seems like the story on Septon Moon is that the thing that he did extra on top of being influential, that he did so much extra and made a part of the whole thing, uh, is what ultimately did him in. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the exact quote about, there was some point in here that talks about why it couldn't be the faceless men, though. Because of the natural death I just said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't seem like a natural death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what you're saying. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's I couldn't remember if that, that was the exact quote that they were saying. But um, So the two guys that replaced him, um, I thought that <clears throat> since Lorcus was so learned that he wouldn't do something like this, but they tried to attack uh, Old Town. And boiling oil uh, was poured on them. So don't do stupid shit. Yes. <laughs> Not the way to go. Then, like, I like the part where it's like fewer than 100 men joined the attack. I mean, they went into it even what with knowing that they were going to lose. Guys. Come on. <sighs> they have to do on? something for their their peeps, What did I they guess. think was going to happen? I'm not sure. They were trying to get rid of Lockspittle. What's his name? Is that his name? Lickspittle. <laughs> Lockspittle. <laughs> You know what a lickspittle is? No, <laughs> I think <laughs> absolutely it's, no. It's like a, it's like you're so uh, dumb mm-hmm. that you can't use your mouth right, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay, you're just <laughs> let's look it up. Lickspittle. Wait, that's it's one word. A person who behaves obsequiously uh, to those in power. What is the origin of lickspittle? Someone who does a repulsive thing. What does spittle mean? The liquid produced in your mouth. Okay. We're getting closer. <laughs> what is the definition of a ninny hammer? I think we went too far. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. That was good so far. I was in. <laughs> Imagine if those guys had just waited a little bit longer for, I guess they wanted to get rid of this high septum. That was kind of their whole thing. But if they had waited a little bit longer and stuck around for the coronation, Maybe they too could yeah. have received the same Ooh, pardon and yeah. kindness that our guy, the uh, Joffrey, Red Dog of the Hills, the self-proclaimed Grand Captain of the Outlawed Warrior Sons. Yeah, maybe they too could have received some some of the same honor that he did, but they were just too impatient. Yeah, they were impatient. They also, I think, the reward would have been if they succeeded that they could have been the ones to make the deal with the Targaryens, and they could have benefited the most, though. Mm-hmm. So that roll of the dice would have been kind of worth it if it popped off for them. Right. But, but they ha- did something else instead. Yeah. Why are you going to attack Old Town? It's called Old Town. We've talked about this. It's the biggest, baddest Yeah, why would you do that? Artist I can't thing. wait to see your on attack Old Town, though. It's got to happen just because of that. Because it's the biggest, hardest. Most, yeah. Yeah. He's got to. 100%. Well, I mean, that's... Especially as we're reading here through Fire and Blood, that's just the seat, very obviously, like the seat of power Let's and the seat the of gods. war. Let's kill the gods. 
Let's you know? Ki- it's it's like the uh, it's like his the forsaken chapter sample chapter. Right. Let's kill the gods. So much of in you a know, song of ice and fire. Let's kill all of them in this in this book series. Not a thousand years in the future when technology like electricity is invented. Right. Where they're like, that's crazy. There's only one god. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Let's kill all the gods now in the story. And the place to do that is old town yeah if if there's someone that could do it i mean jaharis is like the euron of figuring of stuff no out. one yeah he's <laughs> like the opposite of euron but he's figuring stuff out effectively how euron breaks shit apart effectively sure so that's pretty cool sure and like a way that what, what i mean to say is we might have the gods get deleted in asshole sure yeah yeah and it might not happen for a thousand years if Euron fails but Euron might just be the guy who can just be so like explosive and enigmatic and just ridiculous enough mm-hmm. to make something happen and Jaharis oh, the thing is Jaharis' setup to be the good guy was way better Euron didn't really have a setup for the gods to be destroyed because what's happening in Westeros, the War of the Five Kings, the comet flying over, that kind of shit is not really that bad Mm-mm. compared to what they've dealt with. But at the same time, we're talking about people that are coming out of a long summer in spring. So, like, maybe it's just it seems like something like like the War of the Five Kings is so wrong that it's, it is so bad. It's kind of like what we would be dealing with. George, you clever girl. Because <laughs> any little, like, we're, we're worried about things that are happening right now geopolitically. And so far, it's been only saber rattling. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I mean, the War of the Five Kings is far more than saber rattling. Definitely. There was a point where it was just that. Yeah, but it was a tr- literal transfer of power from one. Hmm. So I guess the, uh, the the lesson here is that the eras kind of cancel each other out with like how boring the new ones are in danger versus how crazy the old ones were mm-hmm. because things were crazier mm-hmm. and they were just used to craziness way more. Or things way just more. seem big and bold and wild because they're written from the perspective of yes. somebody trying to tell us Damn what it. had happened. You and know? that's, I think, the two points of this whole book. I think so, too. And I don't know what the truth is, though. And I feel like maybe we're supposed to find it out by what I was talking about earlier in the conversation by maybe being a little skeptical of just the the automatic approval just because it's following something that was so bad. It's like, mm-hmm. well, can't we just, can't we ask about questions about it? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know like how good he really did and like what was just a product of the, the time. He let Joffrey, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. The warrior sons are no more and your vows to them are at an end. Which I really like that because it is just a nod of you no longer are bound to this promise that you made. That's over. So you can kind of release you from that. He doesn't dismiss it. He kind of like acknowledges it, which I think is a really nice and wise thing to do. But your service need not be. I have a place for you. Asked him to be a place in a king garden. King's garden. It says that he had basically tears in his eyes as he accepted this grace. And so... Um, there was, and I can't remember if this was the thing, but there's a, this was one of the moments that they talk about as being the thing that set the tone, this kind of grace and this kind of, um, reconciliation and this kind of acknowledgement to this guy, the conciliator (sighs) was one of the decisions and choices that then set the tone for the rest of the things to come throughout the, and so Again, I think that your skepticism is fine, especially as we're at the very beginning of his story, but there are a couple big shining points 
in this chapter. It, yeah. And that, to he me, is the thing. one that stands out the most. I just, I like the way he handles <laughs> it. He doesn't say, he, he, I just like the way he s- allows him to be released from his old vows I, and promises, even if they were against what Jaharis is trying to do now. I rose against your uncle just as you did, replied the red dog of the hills, defiant. You did, Jaharis allowed, and you fought bravely, no man can deny the warrior sons are no more, and your vows to them are at an end, but your service need not be. I have a place for you. And with these words, the young king shocked the court by offering Sir Joffrey a place by his side as a knight of the king's guard. A hush fell. Then Grand Maester Benefer tells us. Sorry, Benefer reminds me of Ben uh-huh. Affleck and yep. Jennifer Garner. <laughs> tells oh, Jennifer us. Garner. My bad. That's a name, Jennifer right? Aniston, right? No. What? Absolutely not. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Guys. So, pop culture <laughs> is this? cool. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Desperate Bye. Housewives? Okay. <laughs> We're a hundred years old. Um, offering a place for us. I think you are. A hush fell. Grand Maester Benefer tells us. And when the red dog drew his longsword, there were some who feared he might be about to attack the king with it. But instead, the knight went to one knee, bowed his head, and laid his blade at Jaehaerys' feet. It is said that there were tears upon his cheeks. From an outlaw rebel to taking out your sword and being like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. That is That energy, that's one of the things. That's uh, no, the number two one of the favorite things I've read in the, show, of, in the, the series so far, that situation I loved. Hannah's holding up the illustration right now by Doug Wheatley. Got to plug who the artist is. I just love his his really, really long mustache. He kind of looks like a Greyjoy. He looks like an outlaw. Me. And his bangs are so perfectly cut He's across his forehead. He's missing a cowboy hat. He is missing a, uh, he is missing a cowboy hat, but he he, he looks like a, a powerful, powerful outlaw. He does, yeah. You want one of those guys in your king's A deadly I, outlaw. A deadly outlaw, if you will. Yeah. So that was one of my favorite quotes. It is a very, very good one. And it's just a, a really powerful moment. And if you want to move to owns, I can give you the other one. I do want to, can, before you do your own, I do want to say one more thing that comes like right after that. You know, we already kind of transitioned to owns. This so. is like the own in between. No. The summary? No, I already transitioned to owns. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll give this my own. <laughs> okay, okay. The very last line of the chapter, it's, or the last little paragraph, it says, Within, Ooh, yeah. a, within a moon's turn of being crowned, Grand Maester Benefer wrote, King Jaehaerys had reconciled the Iron Throne to the faith and put an end to the bloodshed that had troubled the reigns of his uncle and father. Within a moon's turn, just like that. Damn. He just seems to kind of clean up house Damn. and set the stage for what comes next. And so, like you're saying, that moment, your own moment, was pivotal in that. And now... Suddenly, magically, everything is taken care of, and we're on to whatever comes next. It's called the Year of the Three Brides, but anyway. I thought it was the Year of the Dragon. <laughs> no, okay. no, this is the Year of the Three Brides. <laughs> I mean, it is the Year of the Dragon. Um, so my own goes to uh, uh, one of, like a, a moment that's very uh, pivotal and similar, like you just described, or at least pivotal to me in my uh, sexuality and love of things, which was the difference, really. You know what I mean? I'm going to get a Jaharis tattoo after this episode. Let's go. Nice. Let's okay. go. Okay. In the chaos that had followed discovery of Magor's body, Lord Rosby drank a cup of hemlock to join the king in death. Buckwell and Rollingford 
took ship for Pintos, while most of the others fled to their own castles and strongholds. Only Darklin and Staunton had the courage to remain with Lord Towers to yield up the Red Keep. Baller. <laughs> for real. Can Everyone abandoned them and they're still holding fast. Magar's dead. Everyone's gone. And yeah. Even if they know, because they know they're going to turn, because mm-hmm. they have to, they are, they are like, well, we have to stand here and give them the castle. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have a responsibility to kind of be like, all right, you can have the castle. That there is That is... You want those guys on your side. There is some energy in that. There is some energy in that. Um, to yield up the Red Keep when Prince Jaehaerys and his sisters, Reyna and Alysanne, descended upon the castle on their dragons. First off, can we talk about that? Jaehaerys and his two sisters descending on the castle on their dragons. The court chronicles tell us that the young prince slid from the back of Vermithor Slip from the back of Vermithor, these three leal lords bent their knees before him to lay their swords at his feet, hailing him as king. So I want that painting of them arriving. Mm-hmm. I know we've seen other ones of other Targaryen trios doing impressive shit, but post-Magor, right. coming into these guys being like, oh, we're waiting for you. And it's these, it's these younger Targaryens. Mm-hmm. Man, that's cool. Who seem to just... And they're siblings. Everyone just likes them. And they're, they're not the ones from before. Yeah. We're far enough into the dynasty where it's like, I don't really have, I, I've stopped thinking about them. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about these guys now, but they've brought their own dance moves. You know, they brought their own flourish and, and it's being done. And I just think it was really stylistic mm-hmm. and stylish of them to do it like this is a, that scenario of the old coming in to take away the new in that setup and them to be so fresh and like I don't care about what you guys thought the way things needed to be before we're gonna be like this is a pretty badass scenario and it's gotta be why they were able to stay so smooth so long so I hope they stay smooth I don't remember how many more chapters we have specifically of Jaehaerys and Alisson but a couple I think yeah I can't remember either right on the next one the year of the three brides 49 AC. Um, I'm going to give my own to Queen Alyssa, Jaehaerys' oh, mom, yeah. <laughs> who, as they're kind of describing all the nice things about Jaehaerys and how he's such a cool, chivalrous champion of a guy, says, even his mother, Queen Alyssa, is reported to have called Jaehaerys the best of my three sons, which I think is so funny. And so that kind of plays to your point. They're really gassing him up That's what I'm and making him the guy. It's like even his mom thought he was the best <gasps> of them all. So own to Queen Elizabeth playing for favorites. knowing not to bite the hand that feeds. Right, that just made me laugh a little bit. So that's my own. Right on. We have one own from Twitter.com. At straight savage coal. Before my own, I want to give major props to the gift that accompanies this tweet. Hashtag oh yeah, hashtag cream of the crop, hashtag dig it. My own to the prince into king goes to Septon Moon, or mayhaps his member. <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. Or mayhaps his member, which was said could make a bare woman fertile, in which hedge knights and men-at-arms began to paint images of the cock of the moon on their shields. Sure, he was beheaded after his death. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he had his head tanned and stuff before being presented to his enemy, the High Septon, as a gift. A pious man, of course. But that's a small price to pay for such a legacy, winky face. (laughs) 
I forgot my about guy. the head stuffing thing. <laughs> my guy. It's a much smaller chapter than the last, so that's a blast, my guy. <laughs> Winky face, sideways crying face. Yep. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we got a reply to that one from uh, Mike McCann on Twitter who says to Travis, thank God for that already. So behind on stuff I've got to read anyway. <laughs> Sweating emoji. Yes. <laughs> last chapter knocked me back. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's us too. If you want to send in your owns, either for this chapter or for our next chapter, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on OnlyFans, on Patreon by searching for Game of Owns. It's the year of the dragon. Next chapter is the year of the three brides. Damn 49 it, dry, AC. Brides. It's the year of the brides. <laughs> of course, on Game of Owns, we're glad you're with us. The year of the three brides. Is he your favorite Targaryen so far? Mm. Who's your favorite so far? I can't say it. Really? <laughs> no. I liked reading about Megor the most of anybody. Ah! <laughs> Jaharis, I'm ready. I'm ready to be, I'm ready for us to not be skeptical. He's going to get a little bit older. They're going to yeah. talk about how he looks good, right? The uh-huh. dragon. Probably, yeah, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> He's so, going to marry his sister. It's all going to rule. We've got like five or six chapters with them. Oh, so. right on. Here we go. Go to gameofbones.com if you want to see the episodes laid out in different reading orders with uh, the other books um, and with uh, Feast of Dragons and uh, or you can just look at them in chronological order as well. This is episode 480. All right, it's time to go. (laughs) (laughs) Catch you on the next one. Catch you and Jaharis on the flippity flip.